0: well good morning uh let me also add my welcome to you this morning we do trust that god will speak to us through the study of his word we're continuing in romans chapter 8 um from verses 12 to 17 and the heading i've put over the study this morning is from slave to son from slave to son and uh that should yes appear behind me on the screen Um, Also, let me just mention, um, we do meet tonight at 7 o'clock for a time of prayer and also to uh, participate in the Lord's Supper together. So uh, please, please join us to do that if you can. Let's just read uh, the passage together. I'm going to read verse 11 for connection. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and fellow heirs with christ provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him let's just pray father as we open your word we come to you now we just ask that your spirit would speak to us that we might know that you are present here speaking to us through your word we ask for your help that it might be for your glory and for the building of your people in jesus name amen so as we get further into romans chapter 8 we begin to understand that the gospel is not only about christ on the cross it's also about christ in me what does that mean well just a brief recap of romans and the first five chapters of romans paul Is explaining why we need the gospel. That we are all sinners before a holy God. None is righteous says Paul in in chapter 3. Not one. All of us are therefore under the condemnation of God. And at the beginning of Romans the picture is bleak. The situation could not be more serious. The need is urgent. God's judgment hangs over us. We need God's forgiveness. We need His salvation. We need to be justified before God. That is to be made right with God. To be declared righteous before Him. But how can that happen if none of us is righteous? If we all lack this righteousness, how can we ever be justified before God? Well, God took the initiative and we sang about it this morning. That beautiful hymn that Jonathan introduced us to. Jehovah you, the Lord our righteousness. By faith in Jesus Christ we are justified. By faith the righteousness of Christ is imputed to us. And we are declared righteous before God, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. We are brought back into relationship with God. This is justification. This is Christ on the cross. But then from chapter 6 through to chapter 8, Paul moves the focus from justification to sanctification. This is how I live as a Christian. This is the ongoing process in my life of becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. Of becoming increasingly holy. And this is the truth of Christ in me. Once again God takes the initiative. He has sent his spirit into my heart to dwell within me. And the spirit of Christ is at work continually in my life. Molding me. Shaping me day by day into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. This is Christ in me. What does the Holy Spirit do in my life? How does he help me? These are some of the themes that Paul now explains in Romans chapter 8. Now from our passage, we're going to look at three aspects of the work of the Spirit. And, And again, these should appear on the slide behind me. In verses 12 to 13, we live. By the spirit. For if you live according to the flesh. You will die. But if by the spirit. You put to death the deeds of the body. You will live. We live by the spirit. Verse 14. We are led by the spirit. For all who are led by the spirit of God. Are sons of God. And then verses 15 to 17. We are liberated. By The Spirit. Now you mustn't miss the context here. It's a wonderful context. That the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is framed within the Christian's position, within the family of God. Just look at the vocabulary in the passage. It's the language of family, the the new family that God has created in Christ. Verse 12. Brothers, So then brothers. Verse 14. We are sons of God. Verse 15. Sons again. Verse 16. We are children of God. And then three times over in verse 17. We are heirs. It's the language of the family. And the crowning glory to this. Is that God himself is our father. In verse 15, the Spirit enables us to cry to God, Abba, Father. It's wonderful. And it's about the kind of Father that God is. He is a loving, accessible, attentive, and caring Father. And only now is the picture, the full picture of the blessings of God's gospel, Paul is now painting them onto the canvas. It was so dark at the beginning of of Romans, of the book of Romans. But now we need our sunglasses because it's becoming so bright. The blessings are so much. Now you may have been happy to stop at verse 1 of chapter 8. That there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But that's a negative view of Christianity. And it's an important one. Don't get me wrong. I am so thankful that I am in Christ Jesus that I will never face God's judgment for my sins. But that's not why God saved me. He saved me to bring me into His family. To make me His child. His son. His heir. And through sending his spirit into my heart to produce that family likeness of Christ in me. It's fascinating, isn't it? Watching uh, the the children grow up. And seeing the family likeness in them. And sometimes it can become a bit of a competition between yourself and your wife and that your wife thinks all the good features come from her side of the family and all the bad features from your side of the family but but you know people will come up and say he's so like his father or she gets this from her mother family likeness it reminds me of that uh, anecdote, anecdote from uh, is it george bernard shaw the irish playwright and he was approached by an actress uh, and she was supposedly a great beauty of her time and she said to mr shaw we should get married just think of the the wonderful children we could produce with my beauty in your brains and he said well did you ever think if perhaps they got my beauty in your brains and sometimes family likeness doesn't work out the way that we hoped But it is the Spirit working in us that is producing that family likeness of Christ in us. Well, let's look at our first heading. The work of the Holy Spirit in verses 12 to 13. We live by the Spirit. Paul begins verse 12. So then, brothers. So then takes us back to verse 11. That if the Spirit of him... Who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Paul is now building on this truth, the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And what Paul is emphasizing in verse 11 is the power of the Spirit. It is the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead. Uh, the greatest display of power this world has ever witnessed. The power that raised Christ from the dead. And raised him to live in an endless life where he would, he would never die again. He conquered death. I recently read uh, an article about the end of World War II. And it was about Project Manhattan. And it was the top secret project uh, during the war led by the Americans to develop the atomic bomb. And I'm sorry for mentioning this with all the the concern over in Ukraine. But Project Manhattan at the time it was kept a great secret. Only a dozen or so people uh, knew the full purpose of the project. And yet hundreds of thousands of people were employed on the project. Uh, and they were kept in the dark. They knew nothing about the, the full scale of the project or the devastating power of the project that they were involved with. And then when the bomb and the project was completed and the bomb was was finally developed, the decision was made that is still debated ethically today. President Truman gave the order to drop the bomb. On Japan, not once, but twice. And indeed, he, he may even have dropped it, dropped another bomb if the Japanese had not surrendered at the time that they did. But it made me think that God has given each Christian, each believer, his spirit to dwell within us. He is the greatest source of power in God's universe. And God has sent him into our hearts to dwell within us. And yet many of us, just like those thousands of employees in Project Manhattan, thousands of us are in the dark. We are unaware Or we know very little of his power in our lives and in our churches. Now Paul goes on in verse 12. Building on that truth, he says in verse 12. So then brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh. We owe nothing to the flesh. That fallen nature that still resides within us. That struggles with the desires of the spirit. We owe nothing to the flesh. That way of living says Paul. It leads to death. That is not the tenor of the Christian life. The Christian has living within them. The power of the spirit. A power so great. That if we surrender our lives to him. That's what we've just been singing about. I surrender all that if we surrender our lives to him, his power enables us to put to death the deeds of the body. And now what Paul is teaching here is that to live by the spirit is not simply to coexist alongside sin. But it's to put it to death in my life. To live In victory through the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't give sin an opportunity in my life. I don't dwell on things that lead me to sin. I don't feed the flesh. As Willie said last week uh, in verses 5 and 6. This is a battle for your mind. Look at verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh... Set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit. Set their minds on the things of the Spirit. When you come over to the book of Galatians. Paul in Galatians 5 verse 16. He commands us to walk by the Spirit. It means to live our lives. To walk by the Spirit. The Christian life begins By receiving the Spirit. And the only way to continue the Christian life. Is by the power of the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh says Paul. Now walking by the Spirit. It it speaks of choosing a way of life. A habitual practice of life. A life that is controlled by the Spirit and not by the flesh. Which brings us to our second heading in verse 14. We are led by the Spirit. Paul says here, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now the meaning of that, uh, that word led, we are led. It, it means to lay hold of something. And, and, and Paul is teaching that the Spirit of God lays hold of you. And he leads you. And he's leading you in that process of sanctification in your life. Of producing that family likeness of becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. And as he leads you in sanctification. He leads you to put everything that is contrary to the spirit of God out of your life. And the fact that you submit To the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life is an evidence that you are sons and daughters of God. You've been welcomed into the family of God. Now how does the Spirit lead us? Through the word. Through the word of God. The Bible. We saw that in, in chapter 6 verse 17. Paul says you have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. You remember that great prayer of Jesus in John chapter 17. He's praying to his father. He's praying for his people. And he says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word, your word is truth. The spirit will always lead us in the word of God. And my life should be grounded On the truth and principles of God's word. But let's move on to our third heading. Which brings us to verses 15 to 17. We are liberated by the spirit. This is a wonderful section. I I so enjoyed uh, studying this this week. Now Paul starts as as he so often does. He starts with a negative in verse 15. He says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery. That is slavery of being under the law. You know, striving to keep the law. Working for righteousness. A slavery that leads us into the slavery of sin. Paul says, you did not receive that spirit to fall back into fear. A fear of where that leads. A fear of death. A fear of condemnation. You have been liberated from that fear. You're in Christ. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. And here's the positive you have received, in the past tense, you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit that part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to give us this assurance that we are part of the family of God. Look at verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You, know, you might remember there's a principle in the Old Testament that for something to be attested true... It has to have uh, more than two or three witnesses. This is exactly Paul's point here in verse 16. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit, with our human spirit, that we are children of God. Two witnesses. And he gives us that assurance, that overwhelming sense that we are anchored in the family of God. We are surrounded by the love and care of our Heavenly Father. Now this is what Paul goes on to to develop. He goes on to, to develop the intimacy of this relationship that we have with God as our Father. Because in verse 15, it is by the Spirit, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. This word, Abba, is an Aramaic word. It's not Greek. And Aramaic was the language uh, that Jesus, um, Jesus spoke, Jesus used. Now, Paul uses uh, this Aramaic word for two reasons. Uh, first of all, Abba is how a, child, how, how a child would address their father within the home. In English, it's the equivalent to, to daddy. And there, there's a picture here that Paul is developing. That we cry, Abba, Father. And here's the picture. To cry. It, the, the word means a sharp cry. It's a, it's a sense of appeal. Now those of you with small children or or young children, you'll understand the picture that when one of your children falls and and grazes their knee or their hands, their instinct is to cry, Daddy, or Mammy in Scotland. And as a parent, your instinct is just to scoop them up in your arms. That's the picture here. That's the relationship that we have been brought into with God as our Father. Abba. But it's even deeper than that. The relationship with God as our Father is even deeper than that. Paul uses Abba for another reason. Because this is how Jesus addressed his Father. In his darkest hour. In the garden of Gethsemane. Facing the horror. The pressure of the cross. He cried. Abba. Father. All things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will. But what you will. And here's the point. That by grace. By God's grace. We have been brought into that same relationship with God as our Father, as Jesus had with the Father, as Jesus tasted during the days of His humanity on on this earth. Isn't that wonderful? The blessings of God, the intimacy of this relationship, of, of having God as your Father. You know, I remember a few years back, I was at a a missions conference and I remember hearing the testimony of a former Muslim from Syria. And he had been involved in the underground church movement in Syria and in planting churches in Syria. And I remember what struck me about his testimony was this point. He said it was the revelation of this truth. To be able to know God as a tender loving, caring father he'd never heard anything like it the God that he knew through Islam was a severe God a distant God a God to be feared and he knew nothing of this loving, caring, intimate father relationship he had grown up with a strict father, a cold and distant father And now to be able, through Christ, through the Spirit, to cry, Abba, Father. And so God here is creating a new family in Christ. He's creating a family of prodigals. Just remember where we were at the beginning of Romans. We were sinners. We were condemned. We were separated from God. We were slaves to sin. And now through Jesus Christ, now through the Spirit... We could not be any nearer to God. We are children. We are sons. We are heirs. We are children of God by birth, by spiritual birth, born again, born of the Spirit. As children, we need the constant nurturing of our Heavenly Father. We are to grow. But then we are also sons by adoption. back in the first century to be adopted was to be deliberately chosen by the adoptive father. Chosen to perpetuate his name. Chosen to legally inherit his estate. Christian Paul is teaching us here that God has purposely chosen you as his son. As his daughter. To perpetuate his name. He has chosen you to receive the fullness of his inheritance. Both now and in the future. Because to be a son means to be an heir. And that brings us to verse 17. If children then heirs. Heirs of God. It means that God is the source Of our inheritance. And fellow heirs with Christ. That Christ is the principal heir. And he allows us by grace to share. In his inheritance. You know many families fall out don't they. When it comes to the inheritance. And dividing it all up and sharing it. And that was my painting. And why, why is he getting, why is she getting this? Doesn't deserve it. Christ shares everything he is. He shares everything he has. His righteousness. His peace. His joy. His strength. His kingdom. His reign. His glory. He shares it with us fellow heirs with Christ. It is his and his by right, but by grace we share with him. We are God's children. We are God's sons. We are God's heirs. Now let me bring this uh, to a close. The heart of the father. You remember the, the father in the parable of the prodigal son? Remember the younger son, he asked for his inheritance, for his share of the inheritance. He was only thinking of himself, no thought for his father. He was actually, you know, wishing that his father was dead so that he could get his share of the inheritance and he got it and he squandered it all. Lived the life of Riley, squandered it all in prostitutes and parties and, and whatever else. And then Jesus says, when he came to himself, you know, that 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 turning point in life, that realization in life about what matters. It's not the material, it's the spiritual. And he decided to return. To his father. And he'd even rehearsed what he was going to say. Father I have sinned before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as a servant. And he began that journey back to the father's house. And then we read that when he was a long way off. The father saw him. And felt compassion. And ran, fell on his neck and kissed him. The son couldn't even get the words out of his mouth. What did the father do? He, he gave him his best robe. He put a, fin, a, a ring on his finger on his hand. He, he gave him shoes for his feet. And he said, come, let's celebrate this. My son was dead and is alive Again, and it's just a wonderful picture of the heart of God our Father. And if there's anyone here thinking of returning to the Father, you're coming to that realization like the prodigal. This is the welcome the Father gives you into His family. And here is a family of prodigals that God has created in Christ. He gives us the best robe. He covers us with the righteousness of Christ. He gives us the ring of the firstborn son. We are adopted as sons. He welcomes us into the blessings of his wealth. We are heirs. And none of it do we deserve. But it's because of who he is. The heart of the Father. And through Christ, and through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we have the assurance that we are part of this family. And we can cry, Abba, Father. What a privilege. What a wonder to be a child, a son, and an heir. May God bless his word, shall we pray. Father, you are the eternal God. You are sovereign. You are God of the nations. And we bow our hearts before you in worship. But we can cry to you, Abba, Father. We just thank you for the riches of your grace and mercy. We thank you that you are a God who did not spare your own son but you delivered him up to the cross to make us your sons, your children, your heirs. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit into our hearts. Thank you for his power. Thank you for his ministry to assure us that we are in your family. Father, we deserve nothing from you. We are debtors not to the flesh, but we owe everything to you. We just pray that you would help us to be led by the Spirit in our lives, to live by the Spirit, to cry to you, Abba. And Father, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you as their father, we pray that they would turn to you like that prodigal and know the welcome of a loving father so our god we just commit ourselves to you now and give you thanks in jesus name amen service is over we're just going to uh, sing our closing hymn and uh, if you want to talk about anything then i'll be down at the front or, or downstairs but god bless you thank you